Welcome to The Bill Walton Show, featuring conversations with leaders, entrepreneurs, artists and thinkers. Fresh perspectives on money, culture, politics and human flourishing. Interesting people, interesting things. Welcome to The Bill Walton Show. Some of society's problems are just so upsetting that it's hard to imagine that they continue to exist. Well, today's show is going to get into some of the worst. Child abuse, child pornography, sex trafficking, internet pornography. It's been called the largest unregulated social experiment in history. With me to dig into this are Donna Rice Hughes and Colby May. Donna President and CEO of Enough is Enough. She's an internationally known expert, safety ex expert, author, speaker, and film producer. Uh, since 1994, she's been a pioneering leader on the front lines of the U.S. effort to make the internet safer for children and families. Colby May, senior counsel and director of the Washington office of the American Center for Law and Justice, where he represents uh, members of the U.S. House of Representatives and the Senate on legislative matters involving national security, abortion, marriage, and pornography. Well, we've got quite a subject for today. Donna, you've dedicated your life to this, and Colby, you've been at this also for three or four decades, so we've got some grizzled veterans from the front lines on these issues. Uh, Donna, this is an extremely emotional and upsetting topic. How? How did you decide to dedicate, uh, dedicate your life to uh, fixing the problem? Well, quite frankly, I didn't make that decision early on. I was looking for a job, and I had the opportunity to um, come to work at Enough is Enough. And it was run by a wonderful woman who's a friend of Colby's and his lovely wife, Nina. Her name is Dee Jepson. And when we were talking, when she was interviewing me, they were at that time, this was 1994, the focus of Enough is Enough was protecting children and families from pornography in print and broadcast because the internet hadn't happened yet. And so when she was talking to me about this, she talked about the harms of pornography and the myths of pornography. And I said, well, what are those? And she started naming off all this stuff and my head was spinning. But one of the things she said is that one of the harms of pornography is that it promotes the rape myth. And I said, well, what's that? She said that when a woman says no, she really means yes and wants to be violated. And for me, the, the, you know, the, the light turned green because I had heard those words before when I lost my virginity when I was 22. And when the man said to me, but I thought you were just playing a game and that you really meant yes, I knew that this was something I had to get involved with. And over the years, I've discovered from even my early uh, sexual abuse as a child, that, that this issue, and it's a massive issue, like you said, has impacted my life. And my prayer has always been for God to use the pain of my life for good. And so this has been a wonderful way for me to use the gifts and talents and the opportunities he's given me to help prevent this type of thing from happening to other children and to other women. Well, what are you? Well, you've been on the board of Enough is Enough, and you've also been involved. Yes, indeed. I mean, f from my perspective, I feel like one of the reasons I got involved, of course, is through you know people and they need help, and so you you help. 
But the thing that always struck me about this issue, particularly in its various forms, you know, from pornography to child abuse to sex trafficking, the whole gambit is all tied together. And for me, I recognize that the one characteristic that human beings have that ties us all together is the capacity for empathy. And the idea is, is that how can you be looking at these images and not have some understanding mm -hmm. about these being real people and you be empathetic, right? right? Do unto others sort of an idea. And nobody really wants to be treated in a particular way. And so when you tee off on that myth idea that really is just a game, um, you know, you wonder why society is still trying to figure a lot of these things out and it morphs into things like the, the Me Too movement or other things because there's just such a convulsion that's happening. So well, how pervasive is the problem? I mean, if I can just run through, um, Colby started with all the different problems. So let's just take one of the worst, child pornography. That is the actual sexual abuse of a child being videotaped or recorded. Um, last year, there were over 75 million images reported in a congressional text testimony. The tech company said that they had... 75 million images on the Internet. Mm-hmm. And, um, and the, the images are as young as babies and toddlers being sexually violated, abused, and even raped. Mm. All right, this is a problem that A.G. Barr says that we cannot prosecute our way out of. That's one issue. The other is pornography, hardcore material. And Colby and I talked a little bit more about this. But this was what you referred to as the largest social, unregulated social experiment in human history. Much of the content that is out there is hardcore, it's extreme. Kids under 10 years old are getting hooked on it, addicted to it. The kinds of themes that they're, I know. And it's free. And it's free, and it's mostly prosecutable under U.S. law, but, well, but it's not being prosecuted. Then you've got trafficking, which is the largest organized crime business in the United States and worldwide. All this ties together because one fuels the other. Then, of course, you have sexual predators. They use child pornography. They make child pornography. They groom kids on the Internet. And so our focus at Enough is Enough is, is pre preventing the Internet-enabled and the Internet-fueled exploitation of children and women. You talk about a cycle of abuse. Mm -hmm. We've got, I guess, the child sex abuse images plays into uh, the sex trafficking and pornography. They're all related. And who's behind this? I mean, we've got sites like Pornhub, and you know, that's the that's the famous and the big one. But I mean, who's making money from this? This is an industry, and it's it's mm -hmm. so there, there's. There's the, there's the human appetite for sex, I suppose, and then there's the human appetite for money, and they're coming together in an unholy alliance in this. Uh, in this. What, uh, so it's a, it's a perfect storm in many ways, where you have both the mom-and-pop operations that are otherwise allowed to get access to the world through the World Wide Web, and you also have large publishing companies, whether or not it's the Playboys or the Penthouses kind of thing, which have moved into completely different kind of content than you might imagine when you were you know, a young man in the 1960s or something. So it, it is both on both ends of that economic spectrum where this, this thing is being exploited and used. Obviously, if there was no money to be made in it, then certainly the, the, the magnitude of the problem would not exist the way it exists today. There is an enormous amount of money that's involved in it. And, and once you get those two things together, you're never going to be able to simply stamp it out, which is why constantly it has to be a confrontation of it. You have to be able to expose it, and, and in many ways, the shame factor for so long that works so well, I think is missing from the modern well, discussion. Well, yeah, it, there's but. really very little shame factor no, anymore. So there's I no mean, shame if you, anymore. If you so. go on and you look up 
Pornhub, for example, you'll find a, an interview that was done in Yahoo Finance mm -hmm. talking about the Pornhub business model. Yeah. And then you learn that Pornhub's worth what, you know, the number $3 billion. $3 billion, and, dollars. Right. yeah. You know, so, and, and, uh, so it's being treated as a mainstream activity. And then Pornhub's got something called the Pornhub uh, Fund, mm -hmm. which is providing scholarships to, uh, mm -hmm. to porn stars. Sure. Uh, it's yeah, I mean, this, it's, is, <laughs> it's, this is mainstream. Um, when we started, the, the kind of content that, that was available was just on news groups. Yeah. And it was free, but it wasn't mainstream. Now it's mainstream. So Pornhub is a pornocopia. You can get anything from bestiality. Did you call it a pornocopia? Pornocopia. You can get bestiality. You can get, you know, whatever that you want. Yeah. Uh, Asian girls, groups, that, this, that, and the other. And kids are going there. There were 42 billion visits last year in 2019. And it's not just obscene adult types of pornography. There's also child pornography there. There are victims that are trafficked there. The largest um, uh, watch, most watched video this year was of a teenage girl who was being raped and electrocuted. And the amount of visits it got in one day will blow your mind. And that's, a tra that's trafficking. So we are really trying to get this Justice Department to, this, would, this is low-hanging fruit to, to prosecute Pornhub because they really are the cornerstone of this effort. Who, who, big money. Who, who, well, uh, the vice president who was interviewed talks about all those, all those mm -hmm. uh, uh, predatory things they do, uh, lines of business. Yeah. Um, who owns Pornhub? MindGeek. Who's that? They're, they're the company that, that owns Pornhub. So this, uh, understand... Uh, publicly traded? No. Not no, it's private. private. No. Okay. It's, it's private, but there is, there's so much money involved that it's, it's, it's mind-boggling. Yeah. There's a lot of money in child pornography. And even in child pornography, there's more and more child pornography being created because in order to get into these child porn clubs, pedophiles are being asked to, in order to get access to new child pornography, they have to create child pornography themselves, which means they have to abuse another child, create content, and then upload it to gain access to the club. So this is, it's all just... So it's just, a kind of pay-to-play thing where you... Pay-to-play, that's yes. a barter deal. Yeah. But there's also money involved. So there, it's, it, it's big business and it's the, you know, greed. The love of money is the root of all evil. And you combine that, Bill with what you said, the, the, the sexual exploitation factor, and really this is just counterfeit sex. Well, you've been at educating people now for almost three decades. I mean, why isn't more known about this and done about this? Is, there, is it just people looking the other way? I mean, you point out that parents are uninformed and ill-equipped. They don't really know what, what's out there, I guess. You know, it's a, it's a constant education process that you have to go through. Um, you know, Enough is Enough developed uh, Internet Safety 101. It's a complete program to sort of arm families from how do you allow your children to go into the frontier known as the Internet. So there yeah. are really effective ways to do it. There are other groups that have done the same thing. There's lots out there that can help families address it. But frankly, what happens is uh, you get busy in your own life and uh, you don't really pay that much attention because you've got so much else going on. And yet the corrosive impact of this is being manifest in a lot of different social problems that you see. I mean, 
one of the things you mentioned at the outset here is there's a large social experiment just on the pornography, access to pornography side of things, to where people's, the, the, neurolog the, the neurological connections in young men's minds, for example. And women. And women's minds. They're impacted by the idea of seeing pornographic images and the idea of sort of like a lottery, like a roulette wheel or a, a you know, slot machine or whatever it is. You don't know what you're going to get when you go to the new next website. And so this image pops up, and if you like it, you get the effective endorphin rush that happens. As a consequence, your brain is literally wired differently, and you're mm -hmm. only 13 years old or 14 years old. And so it begins to really change you in a profound way that impacts you the balance of your life. Now, what child at the age of 13 would you want to say, now get to make a decision that's going to affect the rest of your life? Not many parents would allow their children to be able to make that unless they were involved in the decision making. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's not what's going on now. So it's, it's a profound problem for society, and yet it's kind of an icky topic. No one really wants to talk about well, it. Well, that was what I experienced when I was researching this. It just sort of you wander into it and you go, uh, I need a shower. This is, <laughs> this is really an ugly topic. Uh, you're watching The Bill Walton Show. I'm here with Donna Rice-Hughes and Colby May, and we're talking about the, uh, the sewer that is uh, the pornography business in America and worldwide. Uh, there's, you, Donna, you mentioned something in one of your writings about the 2016 Barna report. We talked about teenagers. It says that 75% of males between the ages of 13 or 24 actively seeking pornography at least once or twice a month on the Internet. And that's a couple of years old. And, uh, yeah, and, and, and we now know that it's actually more than that. That was really comparing uh, Christian um, youth to... Um, to non-believers, and you do see that, that oftentimes those with a faith, you know, are not, um, so are fewer, being more, fewer, fewer, yeah. fewer are, but it's still a huge problem inside the church. But one of the things I wanted to mention back to, to parents, parents are the first line of defense to protect their own children. We all want that, right? But what I found over the 30 years is that parents often think that their kid is immune because if they have a smart kid, a good kid, a kid that likes sports and this kind of thing, thinking, my kid isn't going to fall into pornography. They're not going to be stupid enough to be groomed by a sexual predator in a chat room or on social media or to send a text of themselves and to take their clothes off. And yet, this is happening all the time. These are good kids that are being drawn into this world because their lives are very much online and there's a whole online culture. Well, it's well, worse. It's uh, as if you have to be mainstream, right? So you get teen magazine and all these sort of cultural icon places that just sort of encourage it, right? They well, do articles on how, how can you, you know, send a, a sexting and well, how we, do you do well, that? Well, just, well, mainstream popular culture in America has no taboo against any of this. I well, mean, Teen Vogue, which you've written about, Right, is we have egreg a petition. is egregious, and and this yeah. is this is a problem not just for young men; it's a problem for young women as well. Well, Teen Vogue, they they brag of an audience of 13 to 19 year olds, girls and boys, but they don't call them girls and boys. They call girls non-prostate owners, and they call boys prostate owners. We started a petition years ago because they. <laughs> You're kidding? I know. No, no, I'm not kidding. There's and such an agenda, right? There's an agenda. But their first. So if I pick up Teen Vogue, I'm going to read that that's what <laughs> you they You are a prostate owner, Bill, and so are you. And I'm the only non-prostate owner at the table. <laughs> <laughs> but but, but the, the thing that got our attention three years ago is they came up with the Anal Sex 101 Guide, teaching 
tweens and teens to engage in anal sex. They didn't talk about the transmission of AIDS or anything else. Well, it's gone downhill from there. This year, with COVID, they took full advantage of COVID, and they said to kids through Teen Vogue, keep your sex lives alive and learn how to sext. So they did a whole sexting articles, and they promoted it on Snapchat. Well, when a child sex, a minor kid, they're creating what? Colby, child pornography. Oh, yeah. That's criminal. That's yeah. illegal. Not only that, yeah. those images the, can get in the hands of traffickers the, and pedophiles. You hear the title, Sexting Should Make You Feel Good. Mm -hmm. How to Sext, the Best Tips and Tricks. Yes. And then they go wandering into uh, the anal sex manual. Um, stunning. Yeah. Well, we've got almost 45,000 petition signers, and you can sign the petition at enough.org. And we're asking this time for Condé Nast. Now, this is a wonderful company, Condé Nast, publicly traded, Vogue, Vanity Fair. Well, I'm not so Huge. sure Condé Nast is a wonderful company. Well, okay. But I happen <laughs> to like Vogue magazine. Okay, well, I liked Vogue magazine I 30 like years Vogue ago. Magazine, but, but it's changed. Well. <laughs> okay. But we're asking Condé Nast Different episode. to take this rogue teen publication down just because they, they cannot clean up their act. They have not, and they're... I just don't think they're going to do it, so they just need to come down. It's so money. we are shaming them, Colby, like you said. Yeah, I mean, it's money. It's hard to hard to get people to act in, you know, in the opposite of their own self-interest as they perceive it. So it's not an easy thing to do. I mean, one of the things, so so you've got the social activity that's going on and, and what do we do and how do companies responsibly act in the marketplace, so on and so forth. That's important to do it. One of the things that Enough is Enough and other groups involved in this issue have tried to do is to get the technology companies to sort of weigh in on this in a way that's much more constructive than what they currently do. So for example, there was an effort a couple of years ago that Enough and Enough started about the Wi-Fi access that you get in public places, right? Your, your Starbucks store, so on and so forth. You, you have people that actually access pornography, it's actively showing, and there you are with your kids at Starbucks to get the next macchiata or whatever mm -hmm. it is. And so the idea was to create a, a social responsibility on behalf mm -hmm. of those companies to not allow that, to block that, because technology now is allow, allows that to happen. Mm -hmm. And you'd be amazed at the kind of resistance you get from that. And mm -hmm. it, it, it's incredible to think that Starbucks wouldn't want to be first in line to say, wait, that's a great idea. Why didn't we think of that? Let us make sure mm -hmm. that the Wi-Fi that's available in our store is family-friendly, because we are, after all, a family-friendly company. Right. And they and yet, were filtering resist, so. overseas. And so we approached McDonald's and Starbucks several years ago, say, you're filtering, you're protecting children and families in Europe and in the UK. Because Why don't the you EU do it in America? Because requires them to do it. Well, Prime Minister Cameron, yeah, he said, I want you to do this or I'm going to regulate it. So they did. Here, McDonald's said yes right away. McDonald's has been filtering in all their stores in the United States for several years now. It took us a while to get Starbucks on board, but our goal is to get the rest of corporate America that offers Wi-Fi. Because remember, you, you go into the grocery store, into a mall, into a stadium, into an airport, you've got your cell phone and your tablet. You're hopping on a Wi-Fi network. These companies can easily, very inexpensively, turn on a filter that blocks child pornography, which is illegal, and pornography, and any other kind of content they want to. So we're appealing to them to be corporately responsible, but also to protect their brand and their place of business from customers misusing the Wi-Fi that they give them for free to, for instance, download child pornography. And we're seeing this all over. Cops are arresting pedophiles going into these places of business, uploading and downloading child porn. Yeah. 
Mm. So um, I've got like 93,000 questions. Uh, let's stick with the social media companies, the Internet issues. I mean, how long has this been going on? You, we talked before about the blue book and the story. What, what, what was that all about? Wow. Well, uh, the Communications Decency Act, which is sort of the, the grandfather of the attempt to regulate in this area. That was 1986? 1995. 1995. 1996. was beginning okay. to be introduced and finally passed in 1996. And the idea, and so the Blue Book, the Blue Book story is very interesting. Um, as you're trying to get this issue to be understood by the legislators, you're finding that they don't get it. They're not really sure, why should I do this? What's wrong with the First Amendment? You know, robust this, you get to choose, you know, that sort of thing. And so the- Yeah, we're for free speech. We're, we're all for free speech. And you know, the truth is I want less regulation and a light mm -hmm. regulatory mm -hmm. touch. But the, the reality is that there are laws already in the books that protect mm -hmm. children, you know, harmful to minor standards and various state laws, so on and so forth. And then laws against obscenity and indecency in various <coughs> forms that, that take place. So. When you're trying to get the legislators to understand why this issue really matters and what's really going on, sometimes, as they say, a picture is worth a thousand words, right? Mm -hmm. So Donna and her group were responsible in pulling together what we called the Blue Book, which was a notebook at the time, 1995, when the internet. That. Donna, Donna pulled this together. Donna and Our her team. people with okay. uh, D. Yeah. Jepson at the Enough is Enough group pulled this together. And it was essentially just images that you could get and print off the internet in 1995 when the internet was young. Totally unregulated. And Netscape had been public for about three years. <laughs> yeah. And so you, 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 you compile this book saying, here's the reason the legislatures need to sort of check in on this particular issue. So and take it away from here. So what happened was we had a big event where we actually launched the Internet Safety Movement, and Nina and Colby, uh, Nina's wife, or Colby's wife, Nina, was there, and Colby... Um, we're, I we're meant there. to introduce Colby as he's married to. Yeah, he's married Nina. to Nina May. Okay, yeah. amazing yeah, woman. All right. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's be clear about. She is the force of nature. I'll she, agree. Yeah, yeah, she definitely is. <laughs> okay. So, but but anyway, um, she was on the show with Nancy Stafford a little bit ago. Oh, nice. Anyway, continue. They were, the I, senator Senator Axon's office said nobody's paying attention, and I said, well, why not? And they said, I said, what are you doing? I said, are you showing them what's there? Are you showing them the descriptions and the images? They said, no. I said, well, you have to do that. They didn't know how. So we put together this blue book. It's just a, a blue binder. And Senator Exxon's staff passed it to every senator. It went around the Senate floor. And the next day, they took a vote. And uh, there were only two dissenting senators. And that's how the Communications Decency Act got off the ground. And then it went to the House. And we went back and forth. And that really formed the framework for this whole issue. Now, we're still just, dealing with some of that I just, today. I just, I just have this image of old men looking at dirty pictures. <laughs> well, but here's a little the of thing. That. What we wanted to do... must have really do, enjoyed... These no. briefing books get better and better. We wanted to shock them because there, there was incest in there. There was a oh, lot God. of anal sex. There was oh. a lot of so even, toddler even, stuff. Even back then. There they, was a lot of bestiality. And we wanted them to understand this is not airbrushed nudity, um, playboy stuff. We want you to understand this is a whole different ballgame. This is the kind of content that you can't get in a triple X rated bookstore before the internet. And kids are going to be able to get it for free. Fast forward, Pornhub, that kind of content that was on the fringes is now mainstream. Mm. And this is the appetite that, um, that this is what is um, kids are getting a steady diet of through the internet. And it is absolutely frightening the kinds of content that they're using that they're getting addicted to, that they're acting out with their peers. Young teenage boys are among the largest um, 
growing demographic of, of sex offenders, of those who are acting out their fantasies on other kids and younger kids because they're acting so, out what so, they're seeing. So, so these Internet pornographers must have an army of lawyers, Colby. I they mean, do. Is it, oh, yeah. Because, we, you know, we're advocates of free speech, oh, First yeah. Amendment rights. We get into these issues of obscenity. The, the question is, always, okay, well, where's the line drawn? And tell me about what their lawyers are saying when you tell them, uh, take it off the Internet. It, it, it's, uh, it's a very difficult and very subtle kind of a series of issues. The law describes things that are obscene or indecent in terms of sexual organs and, and excretory functions. And then if you're going to describe those particular topics, you have to do it in a manner that at least has some redemptive factor to it, social, civil, uh, civic, uh, scientific, artistic, something along those lines. And in order to make those kind of judgments, clearly there's subjective evaluation that goes on. Now, a lot of states have passed what they call harmful to minor standards. They've defined some of those specific terms. Uh, and if you produce something that meets one of those terms, you violated the state law. But in terms of the obscenity charge, why is that important? Because the mere possession of obscenity is not illegal, but the the uh, passing production, of production or pandering or distribution. You know, distribution of pornography is a crime. And so it's, it matters what it is we've got, what content do I have here. So from a from a libertarian First Amendment sort of standpoint, if you have it, okay, no harm, no foul, right? No one's going to come into your bedroom or your home and say you can't have that material. But if you try to pander that and pass that around and do that, now that's the crime aspect of it. And that's what we believe that the technology formats allow you to have happen in sort of this anonymity and, and, and a secretive way that's wrong. Okay. So you're watching the Bill Walton Show. I'm here with Colby May and Donna Rice Hughes, and we're talking about freedom of speech issues, uh, uh, obscenity and where the line gets drawn with child pornography and the and the toxic, terrible stuff that's on the internet. Uh, let's uh, again. I keep wandering into different directions, but let's go at the core problem, which is the psychological impact it has on kids and viewers. What's this doing to our psyche? I mean, it, it seems to me that there, there's an underlying. Um, evil thing that's going that's being percolated inside people the, the most fastest growing sites are, are the gangbang sites and, mm -hmm. and things like that what what do you have i mean are there studies that oh, say yeah, we have, x amount of hour i'm i'm, I'm yes. not making this question very succinct no, no, but no, i'm, no, I'm there, struggling there, with trying to define uh, Bill, there, tough issue. there is well remember we're talking about many issues here we're talking about obscene pornography child pornography and others let me just talk about obscene pornography that's not protected speech as colby said right um but there's peer-reviewed medical science that shows the harms of this content on behavior mm -hmm. on attitudes on your brain chemistry yeah. all of this we didn't have that we had anecdotes when we started all these years ago but now we've got the science so i think it's I can't remember how many states now, most of, well, about half of the states have passed resolutions saying that pornography is a public health issue. And it is. We know that. Now, what's the harm of child pornography? Well, a child is being sexually abused, and then it's being recorded and sold. So that every time a pedophile or a predator uses that child porn, they are re-abusing that child again, trafficking Trafficking victims are also being used in the production of child porn and obscenity, right? So you get back to the cycle of abuse. So what's happening, our 
our, our whole culture worldwide is being coarsened. You know, we're coarsening, but this is a human dignity issue. I always like to bring it back to what are we fighting for? We're fighting for the dignity of everyone, not just those who are, get hooked into this or who are used in this content or who are trafficked, but for those who have gotten duped into thinking that they can use another person for sex, whether they're a trafficked person or they're a sexual predator or they're, or they're somebody using pornography that's being abused right there on camera and think that's okay. I mean, look at Hitler. The Nazis thought it was okay well, to exterminate it, it, Jews. Coming back to our favorite magazine, Teen Vogue has got an article about how sex workers are no different from any other kind of worker. It's real work. They say sex work is, is real, real work. work. Well, and otherwise, in other words, kids forget being a rocket scientist. Just going to sex. So, so how many? Work. How pervasive is sex trafficking? Are there hundreds of thousands, millions? How much of it's in the U.S.? How much of it's worldwide? Um, is it is it oriented towards any particular country, or are the Chinese involved in sex trafficking? Well, every every uh, culture is involved. In every it. culture. There, there's not any limit. So, uh, it, it's a large problem. It's a worldwide problem. Mm -hmm. um, you'll get gangs, uh, criminal gangs, that'll bring women from Eastern Bloc to Europe or to the United States, from Mexico, Latin America up to the United States or to Canada. Uh, the, the, the rings of the way in which they do it is just like the coyotes that bring illegal immigrants to the United States, so on and so forth. I mean, it is a worldwide pandemic, and it's a real problem. Um, you ask about, you know, what really happens. The truth is we don't know as a society what the long, long-term impact is going to be. Mm -hmm. But we do know that there has been chemical changes in the brain of the people that consume this product. So if you're a parent, you'll say to your 13-year-old or your 12-year-old, don't drink alcohol, don't smoke cigarettes, don't do drugs. But it turns out that if you observe pornography, it has the same impact on the human person, and therefore it ought to be the same thing the parents say, and don't do that. Well, uh, and yet it's, it's just sort of well, missing in the conversation. And the reason and it, is, and, is because it's sort of an icky topic. No and and, 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 and a perverse it. outcome is it leads to sexual dysfunction. For, for, they're not just in real sex. It's now well, uh, yeah. digital it's, We're now it's back to pornography, hard. but I want to go to your sex trafficking okay. issue. Right, Kids yeah. and, and women are being trafficked right here mm -hmm. in this country. They're not necessarily coming from overseas. Sometimes they are. There are recruiters and groomers going into our high schools across the country and, and grooming these girls into sexual activity, getting them on tape, then coercing them, we call this sextortion and whatnot, and oftentimes getting them into sex trafficking rings and then shipping them off to some other hub in the United States. So, so there's a lot of this is forced prostitution or sex trafficking, whatever you want to call it. So I'm going back to the point that no child is immune. I've seen this happen in good families with bright kids, bright girls that are, you know, on the, you know, track team and whatnot and, and ready to go on a full scholarship that end up sucked into this world. So it's really everywhere. But the United States is one of the top in trafficking. We're also one of the top number two in hosting child pornography sites worldwide. And we're also number one in the production of hardcore obscenity. And so, Bill, I think it's important to talk about why we need these laws enforced. The, the, Porn laws need to be enforced, the obscenity laws, and, and child pornography. But like Bill Barr said, we're, we can't prosecute our way out of this. But we did come up with a Children's Internet Safety Pledge 
let's let's turn to remedies. Yeah, I, mean, yeah. I think we've have we missed anything? I think we've covered the waterfront in terms of how terrible this is. Yeah. Anything, any other any other ugly thing that we need? To... <laughs> well, no. I mean, it's dark and it's ugly, but it's important to kids know this. You yeah. ask any teenager if I talk to them about what they're seeing and read some of this stuff, they go, "Yeah, I know. I've already seen it." Usually, they won't tell their parents, but they'll tell me. They'll tell mm -hmm. somebody that knows because they know that we know and we know that they're struggling. But what are the remedies? First of all, parents are the first line of defense. The corporate world needs to be more of a part of the solution than part of the problem. And they hate regulation. Big tech hates regulation and uh, they don't want it. So we're trying to get them to do proactively things that they should be doing on their own, Colby, like you said. Absolutely. But then the government is so important. They really are. When, when we're one of the top producers of child porn and, and pornography, um, we need our Department of Justice and U.S. attorneys and prosecutors to, to be well-equipped. They may need more funding. They need more resources. We need to be treating this like the war that it is. And so we wrote a Children's Internet Presidential Pledge, Safety Presidential Pledge. Let me say that again. The Children's Internet Safety Presidential Pledge, and we took it to Donald Trump and to Hillary Clinton before the last election and said, let's get ahead of the curve. If you get elected, will you make it a top priority to use all the forces of the government and the White House to protect the human dignity and the innocence of our children by enforcing the child porn laws, the porn laws, trafficking laws, and making new policy as necessary? Donald Trump signed it. Hillary Clinton supported it. And now we've got an opportunity to go to Joe Biden to ask him to do the same thing. But we need to recognize this as the pandemic that it is. Well, do we get action? I mean, every politician's probably going to pay lip service to this. It's, right. It, it's just, that's their job, I guess. You come to them this year like this, of course they're going to sign. Who's responsible for enforcing these laws? Is it the FBI? Is it the state? It's the U.S. Attorney's offices. And at the federal level, it's the U.S. Attorney's offices. And at the state levels, it's the state Dangerous. And how much, if, 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 the, if the Justice Department has got a budget, how much of it's dedicated to this? Oh, it's minuscule. Uh, I don't know the exact percentages, but it's very, very small. To pornography, I mean, none. Yeah. yeah. I, I, no, I went to, um, I went to the uh, members of the Senate and the House, and I said, they say that they don't have the funding to prosecute this. I said, so can you write it in the appropriations budget? And they did. So right. for this coming year. But they do have money for child pornography and prosecutions and trafficking, but there's, it's not enough. We need to ramp this up like we did with our military when this president came in. We realized we were getting crushed, and if we were going to be in any kind of war, we would not be ready militarily. I think if we look at this as a war on our culture and a war on the innocence of our children and the future of our nation, that we would treat it with a with the dollars that it needs to get the prosecutors and the action that it needs. And it has not been a priority, and it breaks my heart. Yeah, and it may actually be if you can, we can continue to push at that level. We also impact culture more, writ more large. So you've got the religious communities of America are impacted just like everybody else, and they ought to be taking a much larger role in this mm -hmm. than they currently do. Um, it, you know, it's kind of curious as to why it is that the pulpits of America are not otherwise taking this issue and really driving it home. But, you know, we'll let wandering minds figure out whether or not they think there's some compromise within the church itself. I mean, 
there's a problem. They need to be addressing that particular mm -hmm. problem. Mm -hmm. Now, related to this is, you know, recently we've conservatives have complained mightily about the various, uh, you know, Facebook and Google and all the the, the 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 way in which they might put their finger on the scale. And now you've got this the president pushing back with his executive order, saying, look, maybe we're going to do the way with the, uh, the the liability shield in Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act. And I want the FCC and the Federal Trade Commission and all the U.S. attorneys to begin to look at that and figure out what's happening. And so now we're going to see whether or not they respond. But you know, it, it, it's and it's because, because but, want, but 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 you're hinting at a, at a at a complicity that I think you can't hide from the consideration, which is a lot of adults are are paying attention to pornography, and there's there's a lot of guilt. I think there's been studies about the number of pastors and ministers yeah. that have been mm -hmm. involved in this. They're not going to give us a speech about it. And child uh, pornography, too. I mean, there's there's a lot of crossover with men, especially the start with adult, you know, extreme porn that then get into younger kids. There's what's called barely legal content where they use girls that are just turned 17 and 18, but they make them look like they're 11, so, 12, so. and 13. So it, it, it whets the appetites of men. So now men are starting to then, then gradually start to using child pornography. It's just, at the end of the day, this is a spiritual battle. This is a spiritual battle, and this let's is why the let's, church is let's, so let's, important. Let's, let's spend some time with that, because, you know, if you read the Bible, the Bible is very clear about this behavior. It's evil, and it destroys people. And, you know, God destroyed a couple of serious cities because of this kind of behavior. <laughs> right. Uh, it's not, it feels like we're there. It feels like we're 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 in a kind of biblical uh, scenario here. I I would agree. I mean, I think that that the human heart is complex. It's it's uh, <clears throat> mysterious, and yet we sort of understand it pretty well, having one all of us and the like, and we know sort of what the tendencies are. And unless we're willing to talk about it, unless we're willing mm -hmm. to sort of put a light on it, then it continues to thrive in the dark or in the shadows, as it were. And so we can talk around it, government do this, government do you know, okay, that's fine to a certain level, but the reality is unless the human heart is focused on it. So the Bible's a great start. The Old Testament, I always found it to be quite remarkable that you could spend time in the, in the, you know, the, the Deuteronomies and the Leviticus part of the book, and it starts talking about, you know, stop having sex with your animals and don't have sex with your brothers and <laughs> no, it's your sisters. Yeah, yeah, I know. And then you're I thinking know. like, what, what? I need yeah. to be instructed no, it's, it's, it's about right this? right there, yeah. And, you know, so so there is a depravity within the natural. It's sort of mammalian, you know. It's like part of being biological. The, the drive is to go ahead and reproduce, and so you need to have a fairly active sexual drive. I, you know, I think we all understand that. But within that, unless you bridle that passion, unless you direct that passion, you don't get a wholesome outcome, not, certainly not the kind of outcome that you'd like to have. And so I think society has a great interest in focusing on what is degrading the, the nature of the, of the two-parent household? And, and how do we, we foster that and do other things? And so this is one of the issues that needs to be otherwise described and talked about within that context. Otherwise, you're just simply going to get continue to thrive where, in the shadows. Where's, where's the, the left on this issue? It, it really depends. I, I will say that for the years I've been working on this, this has always been bipartisan, yeah. mm -hmm. which has been wonderful. It's yeah. not a Democrat issue. It's not a Republican issue. Everybody cares about kids. Where it really, where you break with some of that is, is the First Amendment absolutist. And I would put the ACLU in that category because everything we ever got passed, they were the lead um, plaintiff uh, to, 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 to fight that. ACLU and, was working with you on this? No, 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 They no, were no. working against, against you on us this. Okay. on this. 
And from their standpoint, now we'll just take child pornography. Let's just say this is a little girl being um, sexually abused by a 50-year-old man, right? It's child pornography. They will say that the abuse is criminal and it needs to be prosecuted. But once a video or a picture has been made, that that's now speech and should be protected. That's in their bylaws. So if you understand the root of where they're coming from, they're absolutist. And the law, however, disagrees with them on this. So I would say that those are the ones that really primarily fight this. Secondly, it's the corporate world because they they have had a shield of immunity through Section 230 for all these years. We were involved in getting that passed, but it was never meant to give them absolute immunity. And so they've been able to basically say, we didn't create it. We didn't see it. We're not going to do anything about so it. So just to give us all a, a brief, get us on the same page. Uh, 230 was part of the Communications Act, 1995. Mm -hmm. it, was, it, it, was, it, was, it was there for these young, upstart social media companies. Right. Give them a liability shield to say, you're not a publisher. You're just a carrier. And therefore, whatever comes across your pipes is not your responsibility. Right. If you took a good faith effort to protect children from getting it, that was the caveat. Is that in the law? In the is the language? Yeah, yes. Okay. It was called the but, Good Samaritan Defense. But the courts defense. have not otherwise they enforced didn't. it to that level. I don't but, think they have. Yeah, they and this, have is, this gets into regulating political speech, well, too. Where, well, yeah. right. But, but there was, um, we've been trying to get Section 230 amended all this time because the courts allowed the tech companies to drive a truck through it. It was never meant for that. So a number of years ago, FOSTA was created. And it was um, to protect FOSTA. FOSTA SESTA, which, which was a bipartisan bill. It was signed into law two I years ago. I love these ago. acronyms. What's FOSTA that SESTA. <laughs> okay, anyway. And, well, basically, this was the law that then allowed the prosecutors to say to back page, you cannot run ads selling women and children for sex. And if you do, you're going to get, you cannot hide behind 230 anymore. That passed. So now there's another piece of legislation that is looking to even, you know, uh, it's called the Earn It Act that's going to take this a step further. So these are the attempts now that have been so, successful so, 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 so quick to turn this around. I'm sorry. So quick promo for the Enough is Enough website. Do you have information about most of everything. all these topics? Almost everything we've talked about, yes. is, you can be fine. Enough.org. Get our newsletter. Go to it, Enough. It's simply Enough.org. Enough.org. And sign the petition to shut down Teen Vogue, too. But we'll keep you updated. And all this information that we've been talking about is on our site. Uh, we've got a few minutes. What do we, we talk about prevention strategy. I, I agree it's a matter of faith and spirit. You know, you got to have it in the human heart that you want to solve this problem or you don't. That's why I ask about left versus right, because I think of the left as being primarily materialist. And this is a spiritual issue. I can't imagine them wanting to embrace uh, spiritual solutions, or maybe they do. I mean, you've, you've been interacting on a bipartisan basis. What, uh, what do we need to know about bringing the coalition together? With respect to the spiritual side, or yeah. well, I, I would say first of all, you know, we need to go back to the, the very basics. Where Jesus, By the way, that was a very complex question. Thank right? you. Well, it, it kind of was, but I'm had, just going to take had, it. It had four parts. Maybe a lawyer, maybe our lawier here can yeah, break it down. That, we, yeah. You go first. Well, I, I, I can say this. That was an unfair question. <laughs> you know, I've said before that the human condition is somewhat complicated, and so every issue has to be addressed at, at multiple levels. Yeah. Certainly, we care a lot about the po policy side, the legal side of it, as we've described here today. We care about the, the, the social, spiritual side of it, which is very real. 
And unless people really begin to engage on this and care about this kind of an issue, it's just going to limp along and, as they say, grow in the shadows as it's basically done. But, but ultimately, it is a matter of the human heart. And I think, as I said at the outset, the thing that drove my sort of engagement on this issue is the idea of empathy. And once you stop and say, what is really going on here, and you project yourself to be there, everything, I believe, will change because you don't want to be that, right? The golden rule, do unto others. You say, I don't want that done unto me. So I got to do something about that, whether or not it's my own personal behavior, whether or not it's some more larger corporate behavior, societal behavior. But those are the kind of things that I think, honestly, the, the human heart will answer for us. And we don't really have to struggle very hard about how to get an answer for that. I, but it's multi-layered, and it's, it's definitely going to have to be something that's engaged all the time. I think it's going to turn when God's people say enough is enough. There, there's a verse in the Bible, Second uh, Chronicles 7.14, and God is talking to his people Israel there. But he says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear them, I will forgive them, and I'll heal their land. I really believe that this is going to turn on the body of Christ worldwide to, to, to repent from either being engaged in this or from being a passive bystander and just not caring or not even doing enough to protect their own children and repenting. And then I believe this is going to begin to shift this because it's such a big, evil cesspool of a problem worldwide. And I believe that's the answer. We've seen God turn around cultures all the time when his people get together on something, and that is to shine the light, light the candle. Jesus said, I've come to set the captives free. The enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but I come to set them free, and I believe that that is going to be the turning point to lead us into um, a breakthrough on this issue, and then hopefully, Lord willing, even a revival in our land. I think great, great last words. Donna Rice Hughes, thank you. Colby May, thank you. Thanks, Bill. Uh, I'm sure we'll, we'd like to have you back, uh, talk some more about things as this, it evolves. Colby, uh, American Center for Law and Justice has got a great website with a lot of these issues also on there. So I'd, I'd encourage, what's the, how do we a find your website? ACLJ.org. Okay. Easy to find, www.aclj.org. You can go online and you can go there for internet material, pornography, the issues, any issue you want. We deal, of course, with a lot more than just this particular issue, but definitely any kind of information yeah. you want there, it's available on our website. Uh, Enough.org, enough as we mentioned before, also where this resource material is. Donna, anything else that uh, we can talk about where we can find your ideas and help support your causes? Thank you. Yes, Enough.org. We are a nonprofit, yeah. and so we rely on financial support from individuals and not the government. So we can't fight these battles without people partnering with us. And we also have the internetsafety101.org website where all the information about what you need to know as a parent or grandparent to protect your kid, it's all there. We break it down from trafficking to predation, protecting them per from pornography and cyberbullying. It's all right there okay. at internetsafety101.org. Great. Well, Donna, Colby, thanks. Uh, thanks for joining me. Uh, to the Bill, Wal the Bill Walton Show. Uh, you can learn more about this topic on our new website. We have a section called Interesting People, and both <laughs> Colby and Donna will have their own page on Interesting People, where you can also find links to the things they're working on. 
Uh, also, if you'd give me your comments about this show and ideas about future guests and future topics, it is much appreciated. We pay a lot of attention to the issues that people think are important. So thanks for joining, and uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Want more? Be sure to subscribe at thebillwaltonshow.com or on iTunes.